Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. I'm Noel. I'm Corey. Uh, we're back. It is, apparently, it's snowing in Michigan. Which... It's like baby flurries in Grand Rapids right now. It's, it's October. Usually we don't get that. It's November past... 2nd, but oh. good try. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Halloween didn't feel like Halloween for me, because <laughs> I'm still thinking it's October. Good lord. Yeah. It's November 2nd. Jeez. Uh, and I and the World Series is still on, so it's mm-hmm. like, I'm still thinking October. Nope, nope. We could potentially have two November baseball games, which is yeah. bananas. Bananas um, bonkers. This actually but, isn't my first time seeing snow this year. I was in the mountains in California, so it was very weird to like walk on snow, but it'd be 50 degrees outside. Not that it doesn't happen every mm-hmm. spring in the Midwest, but like in the middle of October, it was weird. Yeah. Humble brag. She was in California. Okay, you were you literally went on a, a boys' weekend to Colorado or Montana or whatever. Montana. I okay. went on a, I went on a two day trip to the All Star Game. That was yeah. That was yeah. My humble don't brag. even don't even like talk about me humble bragging because that was spontaneous and I mm. did this. I've been planning this since February. Fair, fair. All right, I'll gi- I'll give it to you. But mm-hmm. still, like I like it not being October aside. I feel like. We still have to get into like late November for there to be snow. These past like five years. Oh, I would now, agree. But now we're now we're getting it now. It's been cold in Indy, but cold in Indy is like forty nine degrees yeah. instead of thirty two. Yeah, uh, as compared to Michigan. So uh, yeah, uh, that's unfortunate for you. But snow on Thanksgiving, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, guess yeah. I wouldn't. I have a question for you. I have an answer. And I think everybody who's listening knows what's coming. Yeah. So, so the Lions, we all saw the score. Neither of us watched the game. I uh, Pause. I was going to. Okay. So I, I made it back home for the second half, or like I think the tail end of the second quarter. Um, and I was trying to find a stream to watch it. Okay. And like I was keeping an eye on the stats. Like there wasn't a whole lot of turnovers as far as like interceptions from golf or whatever there was a couple of fumbles um but um relatively within reason but then at half it was like 24 to zero okay i was like this is not so i stopped it's bad i stopped i didn't even i didn't even i didn't even try to watch this game so my question for you is given the performance on during this game that we didn't watch <laughs> that we didn't watch right i mean but we've watched highlights and, yes, and yes. you know commentary and stuff we we are prepared <laughs> what is what is the next step for this team like where what come what do we do next because i feel like all of us are just kind of looking at this at 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 dan, uh, dan campbell at the team at jared goff and going a, how did we get here? And and B, what's next? Because this this as hilarious as it sounds, this feels like a low point compared to the Lions just generally. Like this feels bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. situation. Do you want do you want the logical or do you want the illog- well, you're going to get both. Which I was going to say, first? can you combine them both? Which one do you want first? Let's go with the emotional one. The emotional one. The passionate one. The You said you had a rant coming into this, yeah, so I'm I, imagining I, I that's do, what this is. I do have a rant. Um, 
I, I've said this multiple times before. You cannot logically explain what's happening to the Detroit Lions ever. Mm-hmm. Never. I, I I went into my shift with the Pacers on, on Monday explaining to these people that, were, like, because they're talking about the Colts, that how they lost or whatever, and I'm explaining to these people, like, I'm a Detroit fan. Lions are 0-8. Um, and it's not going to get any better. Be kind to me. <laughs> be, well, not even be kind. It's like they have, they don't, they see the record, and because they're on the outside looking in, they have no scope of what's going on with this yeah. team. And yep. it, I, I basically said to these people that the Lions are the the perfect combination of of horrible coaching, maybe not necessarily right now, but also Campbell hasn't really proved anything to show that he's a good coach on the on the win loss column. Mm-hmm. Um, horrible coaching, horrible management, horrible player development, horrible team building, and horrible luck. All five of those things have been have been supernaturally working together against the Detroit Lions since 1957. I did mm-hmm. the I did the classic uh, stat since 19 or the classic question since 1957. How many playoff wins did the Lions have? And that answer is one. The closest, the next closest team has nine. No team that's existed for every single Super Bowl hasn't. No other team that has existed for every single Super Bowl has missed every single Super Bowl other than the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. The one non-expansion team to exist for every single Super Bowl never make it. And the only other teams that haven't made it are that are all expansion teams. Texans, um, uh, the new Cleveland Browns because they are an expansion team. Um, who else uh, that I'm thinking of right now? But the list is uh, Jacksonville. Regardless, the list is incredibly short. And one of these teams has had a head start since 1920, 1926, or whatever, however old the Lions are. I don't even care anymore. Um, but everything that, essentially the bottom line is everything that can go wrong with this team will go wrong with this team. Like, you just have to wait. Like, I like again, going back to Baltimore, going back to Minnesota, the Lions have an opportunity. They've had an opportunity to win a few games this year. They have. And yet they still have not won a game and everybody is going bananas. And you think with even less and less time on the clock, it was like 14 seconds. The, the Ravens had the ball on their own 20 yard line. You would think there's no way they can get into field goal range in 14 seconds with zero timeouts. There's absolutely no way. And my father who has seen this same story over and over again, since the day he was born is like, this is plenty of time for something to <laughs> Do go Do we need wrong. to have Ken on the pod? I feel like you reference him like once every week. I would love to, I would love to but I'm not necessarily sure what he would say. He would just kind of <laughs> just, he would just kind of sit there and like think there for a second and then like explain the same things that I have explained to you guys but mm-hmm. but that that Ravens game is the exact absolute perfect example of those five things working against each other right so you play a perfect game okay then you're undisciplined you jump off sides or whatever to give them another shot um you are in prevent defense and somehow the because again the Ravens are only in that situation because they made a huge conversion on fourth down huge massive like 20 30 yards down the field now that doesn't have anything to do with the delayed ga- delay of game from the refs that happened before you you take care of business before that that play doesn't happen that 68 yard field goal doesn't happen mm-hmm. at all 
the luck aspect, okay? Every single record for longest field goal in the past, like every single time the record has been broken for the past 10 seasons has been a field goal in Denver. Why in Denver? Because the elevation is higher and the air density is less and the ball travels further. Mm -hmm. Justin Tucker shattered that record. Because usually it's like, oh, one guy gets one yard further. The other guy gets another. No, he got four yards further. That is massive. Mm -hmm. That is massive when you compare it to how the records have been broken. And that field goal is only made because of a bounce over the crossbar. Yeah, you know how when you're in recess and you're playing like 500 with a football? You know the game 500 where you dead or alive? That one? Yes. Okay. You know how if it's dead, you never know which way the football's going to go because it's shaped insanely? Mm -hmm. How in the one time that a majority of our fans, or a majority of football fans, needed to go a direction not straight, it goes straight. Mm -hmm. I I just, anyways, continue your, yep, continue. So that happens. Luck is there in the balance. You had a you had a discipline slash coaching malfunction in that play of that huge fourth down conversion. You had the refs with you could throw the refs in as the sixth as the sixth thing mm-hmm. um, because it was clear all the NFL people were like uh, they got this snap off like two seconds after the clock read zero. So you have that going against the Lions, and it seems like the Lions never get a break. Now, every other team could think that they don't get a break. I understand that. We've all been there. But name me a time where the Lions got a break on something. Name me one. I cannot. You can't. You can't. A, because it was probably in some, you know, they may have gotten a break. But A, probably because it was in some insignificant moment because this team has been no good for so long. And B, the number of times where the Lions don't get a break far outnumbers the number of times where they do. So you can't name me. So the, the the Ravens game was a perfect microcosm. Their two worst losses this year were against the Bengals, who the Bengals are a first-place team in the NFL this year. But the Eagles, both at home, mm-hmm. and both by considerable... The Lions had no shot at all in those games, ever, at any point. And you get... You get you get bushwhacked at home in front of your fa- in front of in 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 a place where home field advantage matters so so much in the NFL that's that's inexcusable mm-hmm. so when you see something like that happen when you see a team perform the way that they do because it it and it essentially they made a couple of mistakes in that in that game against the Eagles but I don't think the turnovers were the story of that game. They just got beat. And what's really unfortunate, and I'll bring this up because I was I was distraught uh, this weekend. <laughs> I, I, obviously, you see my Michigan flag hanging back here, and I the collapse. I had a that, good weekend. I know you did, but you just did it to piss me off. So that's besides the point. We're not talking about that because we're a four major sports podcast. However. <laughs> You can say whatever you want, but my bottom line is this. Despite everything that happened to U of M, uh, if you want to say bad calls, go for it. If you want to say them shooting themselves in the foot but still putting themselves in a position to win, go for that. That's what I'm going to say. Despite everything that happened against Michigan, they still ended up having a lead in the fourth quarter. 
multiple times. They had the 16-point lead, they had mm-hmm. the 3-point lead later in the game, and then they made a big stop, and then, of course, they shot themselves in the foot and they fumbled the ball, whatever. Um, but the story of that game was Cade McNamara because everybody was saying like how much of a you know a quarterback he isn't, and then he goes out and makes ridiculous throws. Like, maybe yeah. nothing spectacular. No, he, he had a game. He had a game. And I was saying to myself, like, man, I feel so bad for this kid because he didn't, the only, he threw an interception, but that was at the end of the game where, like, he had to throw the ball. Everyone knew you were throwing the ball, so odds are you're going to get picked off at the end of the game. But he literally played a perfect game plan, and Michigan still came up short in that game. Mm-hmm. That's a different story for a different time. But that's a perfect example of the Lions. Like, the Lions necessarily didn't make a whole lot of mistakes in that game. They were just, they were just worse than the other team. Right. Like, absolutely were. And I don't know where you go from there. At all. And this is the the bottom line for this team. And even in that article that we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think the 50th reason was they just haven't been good enough. Plain and simple. They are mm-hmm. flat out worse than everybody else that they play. All the time. And now the fans are starting to notice that. Two things I want to say before we can start, before I can shut up and wrap this up. Number one, uh, attendance at Ford Field dipped below 50,000 for the first time in a decade. Or decade or eight years. The Free Press did something about that. They, they, uh, they tweeted that out um, mm-hmm. at the tail end of the game. So the fans are starting to get sick of it. <laughs> You're 0-8. I mean, what, what are they going to spend? No fan should spend... $50 on a Lions ticket when that team is 0-8. I would argue that no fan should spend $50 at all, given how good the Lions are, or wherever they are in the win-loss column. Um, but they definitely should not be paying premium prices to go see that product of an of a NFL team out no, there. I would very much agree. So, that's number one. And number two, to everybody who was saying that Stafford was a part of the problem for this team, you clearly, A, don't know what you're talking about, and or B, B, you have not been watching the Lions for as long as we have because not only is he balling out, and this is the, some people are saying the Rams are being ridiculous with trading away their draft capital like this, um, but the Rams are, are putting a phenomenal offense in front of Stafford. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cooper Cup is playing outrageous, and I don't necessarily think it's because Cooper Cup is a talented wide receiver. He is, but he's being elevated by Stafford's play. Um, and they're loading up that defense. They just got an all-pro linebacker for like 50 cents um, <laughs> from from Denver. And not to mention arguably the best defensive player in the league already on their team and arguably the best defensive corner in the league on their team. So they have a legitimately scary defense, an offense that can score at will, all because they have Stafford there at the centerpiece. Stafford now is the favorite to win M- NFL MVP and the Lions look, I don't even know how it's possible, a million times worse without Stafford on their team than they did with him. And they weren't any good with him on the team. But everybody, yeah. I, I, Stafford is the greatest quarterback the Lions have ever had, and they've had nothing to show for it. How does that make any sense? Every team that's had a great quarterback or the greatest quarterback in their history has either been a perennial contender or a Super Bowl champion. Not the Lions. Not the Lions. Mm-mm. And you can say, well, what about, what about the Browns? Blah, 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 blah. Browns were a force in the 80s. They didn't win, 
but they were in the AFC Championship quite often. Bernie Kosar was great. They had great teams. And people were legitimately afraid to play the Browns during that time. No one's legitimately afraid to play the Lions. And another incredible, the most incredible stat I saw over the weekend. I don't know who it was. I should have favorited it because I knew I was going to talk about it. The Lions haven't won a game without a Stafford QB at the helm since 2011. Oh. A decade. Oh my gosh. So every time Stafford has been hurt since 2011, the Lions haven't won a game. So David Blau, um, I'm trying to think of other uh, other players at the time. Um, Sean, was Sean Hill, you know, a part of the 2012 team? I, I don't know. Every time the Lions have trotted out a quarterback other than Matt Stafford since 2011, they have lost. Do not tell me that Stafford was not an important piece to this team at all. And even when he was here, because of the Lions being the Lions, it doesn't matter. I think that just speaks to, like, how poorly run the team is. Because if you if you lose one piece and your entire team falls apart, how how is that an effective way of running your team? Like, I understand that the quarterback is clearly a very, very important piece on that field. Sure. He's he's the the play guy. He's the guy that makes things happen. That that is his job. Mm-hmm. But for him to be the only competent piece of that team mm-hmm. is unacceptable on every level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I and it just goes to show the difference in mentality that those two franchises have with with Stafford at the helm. The Rams are bending over. The Rams are forfeiting their future. Like, they do not have a pick in this year's draft until the fourth or fifth round. They are literally saying, we will suck now, or we will suck later for the chance to go out and dominate now with this guy while we have him. Because, I mean, Stafford... So the Red Wings in 2007. Probably. I mean, anyway, but continue. Sorry. Even so, the Red Wings have bounced back even even better than the Lions could ever. I mean, how how that was more a comparison to the Rams. No, sure. Away no, I futures. I I agree a hundred percent. But that shows you the mentality. Like, hey, we have we have a we have a Hall of Fame level talent here. We have to win while he is here, and that's what they're doing. They have all pro players everywhere on the field. That's yep. the difference. That's the difference. And I don't know how you change that. Really, it, it, again, you cannot you cannot intelligently explain what's happened to the Lions for this. I mean, you could maybe say the Cubs, but the Cubs have the Cubs have won now. Mm-hmm. They've had they've had a modern day championship. The Lions, you know, the NFL was the NFL in the fifties, but it, it definitely was not the way that it is now. And teams accidentally get good. Like the Bengals were when when Burrow got hurt last year, were not good. This year they're in first place in their division. The quickest turnarounds, the quickest rebuilds happen in the NFL. You can literally change the course of your team in a season. Look at the Chiefs right now. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They're they're on the outside looking at the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
essentially their offensive core is the same. Their defense isn't very good, but still, you have a Super Bowl caliber offense. I mean, they have they have they have Tyree Kill, Jason Kelsey. Those are top five players, if not top three players, at their position right now. And they have probably the fastest wide receiving room in the league. And they're bad because the NFL can change on a dime. You can you can be you can be Super Bowl contender one day, and then you could be the laughing stock of the league the next. But it doesn't change for the Lions. Perennial losers all the time. Moral of the story. Which maybe that's good for some people. I mean, like, I, I cannot mentally approach the Lions and how I approach a team like the Tigers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can be hopeful for the Tigers because I know there's hope. I can't be hopeful for the Lions at all. So, like, when they get a win, like, that's cool. But when they get a loss, like, it doesn't hurt me anymore. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Just frankly. Numb. Just it, numb to it. it. It's it's numb, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's like, it, it's, they're not playing for anything. They're not moving for anything. They're not working towards anything. So you shouldn't feel, as a fan, anything mm-hmm. rooting for that team. It, yeah. Maybe maybe it's the perfect balance. <laughs> maybe it's the perfect thing because you literally go there and it's like nothing's gonna happen. Nothing, nothing's gonna happen. I'm not gonna get hurt. My hopes aren't gonna get let off because I know what the Lions are and this is what they are and this is what they're always gonna be. That, I've accepted that. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna see anything from this team ever in my lifetime. My dad has already accepted that. Mm-hmm. Seen the same story for 50 years. And that's uh, it's okay. It's whatever, but it's also kind of sad. It really oh, is it's super sad. It's it's disheartening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last thing, um, the Vegas betting lines for Lions going own seventeen. Uh, I think two weeks ago they were at plus uh, fourteen hundred. They're at plus four hundred now. Oh my! That is that is, not... a, that is a huge drop. So yeah, I don't know if you're betting. Gal, Noel. I'm not, but I understand how it works. <laughs> maybe, maybe throw ten bucks on there. Wait and see. You know, you get yourself a nice little payday at the end of the year. Because I, I don't. I everybody thought a lot of people were saying that this is the chance for the Lions to get their first win, and they completely collapsed. Mm-hmm. So where where are you going to get those wins? Yeah. What do you have to say? I don't know if you heard or read anything about this interview but about dan campbell's comments afterwards about it being on coaching staff and more on the sidelines for that loss rather than the team i'm glad somebody's taking responsibility Mm -hmm. because management hasn't taken responsibility for any of this nobody's come out and said i mean the fords haven't come out and said we've we've made a pretty piss poor product that's on us nobody's said that Mm -hmm. at least i mean at the very least, at least have somebody that cares. I mean, Campbell, as as I mean, we love the guy, the guy. Mm-hmm. As far as a coach, he hasn't given us anything to show us he's a good coach. But the guy wears his heart on his sleeve, and he genuinely cares about putting this team forward. Yep. And honestly, I still think the coaching staff isn't bad. There's head coaching experience with the coordinators. Anthony Lynn, I still think is great, but this offense is limited by what Goff can do and the lack of talent that you have on it. Um, but I'm thankful somebody is like, you know what, this is on us and we need to be better. 
not just saying not just saying we need to be better but saying this is my fault i own this mm-hmm. there's a there's a stark difference so i like that but still we need some results indeed indeed we do all right uh move on to a place with a little more hope uh the pistons <laughs> What? <laughs> I, uh, uh, emphasis on a little. Oh, stop. No, nah, I'm kidding. We knew what they were going to be this season. We knew. Yeah. We, and if you didn't know, you haven't been paying attention very well. Like, yeah. we knew this was going to be another rebuilding year. We knew that they were not going to win a lot. It was just, I think, the hype of Cade Cunningham brought us to a mountaintop, and people have not tempered their expectations for the fall. Yeah. You know? So Cade did make his his NBA debut, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. He had two points, seven rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, and played 19 minutes. Yep. Which I think, for a lot of people, was very underwhelming and a I little would, disappointing. I would say so. <laughs> but at the same time, I think he hasn't played basketball for a while. Um, he's been nursing that injury. And even if he wasn't offensively as productive as we would like him to be, he was defensively really good. Mm-hmm. Like he his the and way you that watched he, that game, did didn't you? I did. Yeah. Okay. Um. And you know he was he was somebody who who saw plays as they were forming and could get in front of that and yes. Um. Was somebody who was able to. You know, to have that vision, and I feel like we haven't had that as much, you know, with the rest of the team, which is awesome. We need yeah. that. Um, but he does need to to, to develop. I mean, like, if uh, let me, I'm going through uh, our good friend James Edwards. Yes, uh, friend of article, the pod. Friend of the pod. Well, Corey's Jersey friend, really. Yeah. He shot one of eight from the floor and zero of five from the three, which are yeah. not good numbers. No. But I feel like that zero of five from the three is just a problem that the entire team has. Yeah. With maybe the exception exception of Sadiq Bay. Mm-hmm. Like, they've all struggled to find their three, and in modern NBA, that's a game changer. You so have to have it. You have it's... to have it. You do. And the Pistons just haven't figured out how to do that yet. So, it, I, <laughs> I know that the rest of this is... We're pretty early in the season still. I can't even tell you how many games it's been. What, like... 11 maybe yeah we still have a ton more basketball to play mm-hmm. ton more to watch it's gonna be a rough season we're all just gonna have to accept that yeah i think what the the hallmarks of a good season are gonna be is how cade killian and the rest of the young guys progress and how yeah. they form together as a unit yes. because they are going to be our future you know, I, I do have a couple of comments. I think I think Killian is just is just frankly overwhelmed, um, yeah. and that's that's expected. I mean, the kid's what still is he's he twenty? 19? Okay, yeah, he's twenty years old. Still has yet to play a quarter of an NBA season in his career, like let alone like in a row. Um, and my 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 buddy Luke is like Killian Hayes is making me a lot of money because he's just performing at a poor level mm-hmm. um, is where his unders and over or like where his lines are set for like points assists and everything yeah um but that's expected um and i think a little bit too like kate cunningham 
also is still a teenager. Um, yes, he is your number one overall pick. Cade Cunningham's um, a teenager? Oh, yeah. Huh? I thought he was in his 20s. Never mind. Continue. No, he played one year at Oklahoma State. Okay, so um, he's like 19. Yeah. So, I mean, he is he is a teenager, a, yeah. very, a very talented teenager. I mm -hmm. will 100% say that. But still, there needs to be some some leeway and some some area for development for these guys and i think you will see that because i think the part of Cade cunningham's game that impressed me the most at least when i watched him um at oklahoma state was that he elevated his his teammates around him and that's something that this team desperately needs um jeremy grant has been leading the charge i mean his his numbers are a little bit down i think he's only averaging 18 points a game right now um so but also that's to be expected when he is your source of offense especially with Cade cunningham not playing um mm -hmm. those first five games of the season um so everything is going to be centered around stopping him you stop him you stop the pistons and a young not as talented team that's how you that's how you beat them night in and night out because they've only broken 100 points twice this year i'm looking at their they just lost 117 to 91 to the uh to the nets um, and that was the game where Jeremy Grant uh, shot 5 of 15 and only had 11 points. Their leading point scorer was Corey Joseph, who came off the bench and uh, essentially had a career career night shooting percentage-wise. Mm -hmm. He was 4 of 6. And, and he's also been two. pretty good this season. So yeah. like, but he's a bench player. Right. So, and you can't, I mean, you, you expect things out of your out of your bench, but not to be your leading scorer night in mm -hmm. and night. If, if your leading scorer, unless he like catches fire and like plays the majority of the game coming off the bench, like you don't want to see a bench player as your leading scorer in the NBA. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's time. It's, it's progress all the time. And I was, again, with talking with those Pacers people, um, the Pistons and everybody agreed that they pulled off the perfect tank last year. Oh, a hundred percent. Your young players were playing well. You were you were competitive in games, but you were still losing. And then it worked because <laughs> you get the number one overall pick. Yeah. Um, so if that's what it's going to take to get some more talent on this team, um, I'm all for it. And, you know, we've had literally one game of Cade Cunningham, which his offensive side of the ball wasn't, wasn't his strong suit. Um, but still did some great things in in a in a NBA game, and we have to be uh, excited for that. Because um, as soon as they get, as soon as Cade pops off, I think that's going to be a momentum builder, um, and then the team is really going to gravitate towards that. And then once he pops off, the next game will be okay. We got to stop Cade Cunningham. That'll take pressure off of Jeremy Grant, give him some more abilities to or opportunities to score, um, and then then you'll have an issue. You have mm -hmm. you have two people that are running your offense for opposing teams, I mean. And then once yeah. you do that, okay, maybe Sadiq Bey has a couple more open shots than he would because you have to stop Cunningham and and Jeremy Grant. It's 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 a domino effect. Why why the super team mantra has been so successful um or even just having two superstars has been so successful is because when you stop one of them, the other one's going to get the shots to go. It worked exceptionally well with the Bucks this past NBA season because um, when Giannis was out dropping 51 points in a finals game, Middleton was just waiting in the wings. And once they stopped Giannis from, <laughs> from scoring 51, Middleton was there getting his bucket. So it's very important. You, it, it's very rare to see 
a team like the LeBron era Cavs, the, the first first stint Cavalier. <laughs> the LeBron, first generation of that. Where LeBron carried a bunch of mailmen to the NBA Finals. Like, <laughs> you're not going to get that anymore. So yeah. something has to develop. And, you know, it, we might have that. Mm-hmm. But there is also a possibility that we might not, which I don't think so. I really hope not. Right. Um, but judging all the hype, judging how Cunningham, you know, played in college, and you know, it, he didn't look like the youngest player on on their team Mm-mm. in Oklahoma State. And I'm sure there's going to be times where he doesn't look like the youngest player. I mean, he he embraced Detroit after the draft, or even before the before draft. Before the he draft, was, yeah. He was ready, and you know, and. From what I hear, or I should say, I don't hear much about Cade Cunningham off the court. That's a good thing. Yes. Yes. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, uh, please. Also, side note, uh, the City Edition jerseys came out. They did. Did you see them? I didn't. You need to look them up. I'm looking them up right now. You they're like going. they're like a combination of... They're a reversed version of the, of the Away Blue jerseys. Ooh. Um, with red, but they also threw a bit of teal accents, so it's like that that like early two thousands, like late nineties. The... Personally, the... I th- yeah, the horse, the, the horse. horse that's I, why could I not say that word? Personally, I think the shorts are cooler than the jersey. The shorts itself. are for sure cooler. I wish there was more of the teal on the on the tank. Yeah, do they call it a tank top? Do you call it a shirt? What do you? No, mean? It's, a, it's a jersey. The, the jersey? I don't know. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think those are pretty fresh, and Cunningham is your guy that was that was modeling them. So, um, yeah. not that that has anything to do with the performance on the court, right? Um, <laughs> but just just bring back the teal. Everybody's yeah. Good. Everybody I'm wants excited it. to see because Big Sean is the I don't know what his official title is. The creative director of the Pistons yeah. essentially is what he is. I actually but, went to I actually went to college. I think you know when he was talking about interns or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go to college. I went to high school with a guy. Um, he's working for the Pistons and he's doing like their their. Uh, oh, cool. Their yeah, their graphic design stuff. It's, yeah. It's it's really good. His name's Jack L. Warner. You should give him a follow on Twitter. Okay. I mean, we would know of each other. We hung out a few times. Um, yeah. We were, we were in a fantasy football league. Uh, That's hilarious. For, for a couple of years, but uh, no, he does he does great work. Shout yeah. out. I don't know. You're probably not listening, but if you are, for other <laughs> reason, shout out, Jack. You do great work. <laughs> but I'm because I, at least the way that the process has been explained to me through articles and Twitter and stuff, Big Sean's creative stuff because he was only hired at the beginning of twenty the twenty eighteen twenty nineteen season. Is that mm-hmm. when he was hired or something like in twenty twenty? I don't know something, but twenty nineteen yeah. twenty twenty. I think that his creative rollout won't happen for probably another like until next season. Okay. Um. So I'm excited for like for that full force to be just to see what he's going to do. Yeah. You know, because if I don't know, he seems like he's he's a lot of fun as like a person and then as a creative to bring that into a franchise like the Pistons where you do have this really awesome jersey to kind of go off of, but you also have the classic look. I think it's going to be a really fun Yeah. exploration of of uh, what he can do so, yeah i'm excited about that those are still fun i still enjoy them the shorts are cool yeah i'll get one i think maybe are i need any of pist- us surprised i need a new pistons jersey i really only have the drummond one and I that's kind of pistons jerseys no you can't tell people that <laughs> i'm bro dude i am poor 
not actually poor. Aren't but, we all? Uh, jerseys are not something that I look to spend a lot of money on. I'll put it that way. Because it's not a priority. I would like to have a jersey of every of the major teams. I am you have halfway to. there. I'm halfway there. Okay. Don't okay. don't look at me like that. You just I'm telling you, I'm let telling me live you, my I life. Could, I could literally get you a Tigers jersey right now for under thirty dollars. With a okay. name. Okay. Send them to me. Okay, I will. And then the Pistons will be harder because, like, if you're going to get a Pistons jersey, you should get, like, the nice Nike, like... Well, yeah. I mean, they're sweet. But they're also... I I don't think... this is. I don't have many basketball jerseys solely because, um, like, as far as, like, value for what you get, I feel like it's the worst. Like, Mm. a baseball jersey... Like, a baseball jersey is, like, you can, like, throw it on like it's an actual shirt. Like, a basketball jersey, like, you... You have to a. You have to wear another shirt with it, otherwise you look like a, a tool. Um, <laughs> I wonder if the rules are different for girls because I don't feel like girls. It's different. Yeah, I, I was saying for myself, but for yes, for yourself it would be. I mean, I don't see it that way, but I'm. I can see how men would see it that way. Yeah. So, like, to get a Nike basketball jersey, it would be the same price as to get a Nike baseball jersey right now. Like, mm-hmm. if you were to go to, like, the team store and buy it. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, because, like, I have to wear it with a hoodie. I could wear a baseball jersey, like, unbutton a few buttons in the summer, and I'm, I'm looking good. And, yeah. But, like... I mean, we that... talked about getting me uh, a Blake Griffin... Uh, met, what was the? Motor City? Yeah. It jersey? Was the, it was the City Edition ones. The City yeah. Edition ones, yeah. Just saying. We can we can look, but Blake Griffin is dead to us. Remember, remember, <laughs> wink, 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 wink. Yeah, he's dead to us. We don't talk about him. Yeah, wink, wink. Um, but yeah, other than that, any closing thoughts for the Pistons? Um, no closing thoughts. I think patience. I I know that our our fan base, and if Chris was here, he'd probably be on this side. Uh, is just very explosive and uh, likes to make a big deal of things. That's just kind of mm-hmm. how fandom works, right? Uh, and Chris is usually our anchor to that side of the world. Yeah. We love him for it. We miss him. Um, but I think it's I think it's best to just be patient when it comes to the Pistons because they are a team that has been run fairly well, who has fairly good you know player development. Um, they're not the Lions uh, in terms of like we can have hope and we can also have patience with this team. Yeah. So those are my no, closing remarks. I forgot to mention, uh, yeah. the Pistons sent down uh, Isaiah Livers, Saban Lee, and Luka Garza to the to the cruise. To the G um, League, yes. Yeah, to the G League, which kind of expected that. I really expected that for Livers uh, since, like... Wasn't he, he hurt? He broke his hurt. foot. Isn't and he I don't, hurt? Yeah. Yeah. He broke his foot. He was going to be a first-round talent if he didn't break his foot, but still, um, from not being able to do anything on one leg to then trying to play the highest level of basketball probably isn't going to go well for you. Right. And I'm still not giving up hope on Luca Garza. I don't think they are either. Uh, I think they mm-hmm. just want to give him some more time um, to uh, actually develop and play. Um, sure. So I'll be, I'll be excited to see where he goes. And then Saban Lee is a wild card. He can either be awesome <laughs> or bad, um, but no, that'll be good for them. They'll get more playing time down there. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, we don't have anything for the Tigers. Still in the middle of offseason. November baseball is upon us. The World Series could go to seven games. Personally, I don't think it will. I hope it doesn't because this is... Is their next game tomorrow? Is it tonight? When is their next game? 
tonight. So tonight. the World Series could be over today or tomorrow, but it will be over for sure tomorrow. Yes. Um. So and like the Braves, so the Braves, the Atlanta Braves, right? So yes. Atlanta is yes. is a cursed sports city, as most people know. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Thrashers. Yeah, R.I.P. Thrashers. Uh, R.I.P. Falcons, who had a twenty-eight to three lead against the Patriots and ended up losing uh, the Super Bowl. Um, and the Braves, who last year in the COVID World Series or the COVID you know playoffs had a three-one lead on the Dodgers and they eventually lost. Uh, in that series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a 3-1 lead. They had their last game at home um, a couple nights ago for game five, and they had a potential to close out. They were up 4 to nothing after the first inning, and they lost the game. So good. Um, you don't feel good about that, but they also had three straight bullpen games um, to where they just threw guys out there. So now they get a starter tonight, and I think they'll get a starter on game seven. So odds are in their favor, um, and... I don't necessarily like the Astros starting pitcher starting pitching options outside of tonight, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So I I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that this curse is broken for them. Please please have it be broken for them, <laughs> um, because if they if they blow another three one lead or have another collapse like they've had, wow. I'm so sorry, but no, I think they'll win tonight. I think the Braves will be your 2021 MLB. World Series champions, so that would be very exciting. Yes, I would like that. All without their best player, who tore his ACL at the the oh, halfway right. point of the year. Ronald Acuna hasn't even been there, and their best starter, who broke his leg in Game One. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they've had to overcome quite a bit. Yeah, nothing like the playoffs, man. In any mm-hmm. sport, love it. It's just a uh, crazy. Um, not speaking of playoffs, but kind of speaking of playoffs, um. The Red Wings had probably one of the craziest sequences I've ever watched live in my life. Mm-hmm. It felt like playoff hockey. Yeah. And it, it, I don't even know how to describe it other than like seven, several blocked shots and a whole lot of grit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was against the, the Florida Panthers back on Friday. Yeah. Um, they forced it to overtime, which was just awesome. And unfortunately, unlike the Capitals game two days before, uh, they get, didn't get to uh, didn't get to claim that victory. Yeah. But that I think has been the biggest indication to me, at least, that this team is not the same. Mm-hmm. They are so bought into the idea of what the Red Wings are as a, as a, as an idea and as an organization, they're so, they have the Red Wings as an idea, the Red Wings as an idea out in the ether. Um, and clearly Jeff Blaschel has not lost the room mm-hmm. or he's gotten it back. One of the mm-hmm. two, I don't know which it is. Cause I'm not a fly on the wall. Um, but they have just shown a tenacity that they have not had in years. Yeah. And that is so exciting. Mm-hmm. So exciting. No, I agree. Um, as it stands right, if playoffs started today, the Red Wings would have the eight seed. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, don't, don't, do no, not. Because <laughs> they're probably going to lose to Montreal tonight because they're a little shorthanded with Larkin and Burt not playing. Um, however, no, I, I 100% agree. Uh, I didn't get to watch the Florida game live, but I watched, uh, again, the highlights, and I watched that shift. 
it felt like playoff hockey. You are exactly right. I think everybody agrees that it felt like playoff hockey. And these games that they've lost uh, to a Tampa Bay, uh, to a Florida, to a and I was texting you earlier today. Like Tampa Bay or Florida might have the best fourth line in hockey. Mm-hmm. They have a future Hall of Famer centering that line. Yeah. Joe Thornton's a bajillion years old, but still he is what he is. Yeah. Um, a very talented Anthony Duclair is on his wing, who might be one of the fastest men in the NHL. I don't even know who the other guy is, but he's still better than half of the majority of the league. And with the those two half. guys, right? And with those <laughs> two Red guys, Wings. you're going to be fine. Um, so uh, the Red Wings have been competing, and not just competing; they've been in a position to win against these against the best teams in their division. And then mm-hmm. also, they went into Washington, and we talked about this last week. And beat them on their own ice, and the the idea of of the Red Wings um, is they're they're kind of they're getting this swagger and this reputation of like, hey, we're 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 gonna be rough and tough, and that was kind of mm-hmm. what brought them back mm-hmm. uh, in the '90s, like Probert, uh, Cicerelli, all those guys. I mean, they're not by any means they're not those no. guys. Nor they're do I think guys. they should be at nor this yeah. time in the world. <laughs> Probably not. However, people throw the word grit out quite often. That sequence was pretty gritty. I think Ernie got hit six times with a shot, or at he least got, three. He got hit twice bad, yep. and then I think he got clipped at least one or two more times. Yeah, uh, against a ridiculously talented yeah. Uh, Florida Panthers team. And yeah. so they've, so again, I'm going back. They lost that game in overtime and then they lost that game to Tampa Bay in overtime, a game that they should have won. Um, but in the playoffs, grit can carry you oh, quite yeah. a bit. I mean, this, I, I saw this get, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, um, I saw this getting compared to the Darren Helm shift known as yes. the shift capitalized uh from what the 2009 playoffs yeah and um i heard one of the podcasters that i listened to say that if this had been in the in the in the playoffs or if this happened during like a really crucial moment in their season it would have been something that they used for promotion and highlights for the rest Mm -hmm. of eternity like but because it happened in the early season of a rebuild year it, nobody, I mean, other than the people who watched it, and yeah. if, you know, you look up these things, is going to remember it. Like, yeah. we're, we're going to be able to recall this shift, mm-hmm. but <laughs> because it was that intense and that good. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it for the rest of the season, but if it were at a bigger scale, the rest of the hockey world would be talking about it for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, but I did want to say, you know, I've talked a lot about um, I guess grit with the Tigers and how they were kind of like, oh, we're not going to give up. And if you like, if you don't play your cards right, you know, you could be in a potential, you know, season clinching game, and you know, you're going to get beat by this team, you know. And we saw that happened uh, to the Blue Jays, who missed the playoffs by a game, um, and they lost a home series two out of three to the Tigers. Uh, you don't think they're kicking themselves now at that? Mm-hmm. At, at that notion, they probably are. Um, I think in hockey, having that grit is more noticeable. Look at a team like the Islanders, okay? The Islanders for the past 
three, four years have been a one of the most consistent hockey teams, but b a team that's gone deep into the playoffs fairly often. I mean, they were mm-hmm. they were one win away from the Stanley Cup final last year, um, and they're doing this all without John Tavares. I mean, he hasn't been there it seems like in a decade now, but they lose their best player and somehow they they're better. Um, yeah, that's because. A, they have a team that's bought in, and B, they have this, this, just this like bulldog mentality, tenacity to them, and, yeah, and tenacity. So I, I could say similarly, you probably get that with some of the guys on the Red Wings. You know, they're not, you're not going to get pushed around. You're not going to do this and this and that. However, it's not necessarily translating into wins in that regard because those teams always play games close, right? I mean. It, you know, Toronto scored five goals against us uh, a couple days ago. Um, mm-hmm. We lost five to four. Yep. You know, we stuck right in there with the team that has some of the best forward talent in the league. Um, and the Florida Panthers, who have yet to lose a game this year. Mm-hmm. Still. Uh, still, we took them to overtime. Um, and it's not translating to wins because the three-on-three overtime format is designed to... Um, pinpoint and i don't want to say neutralize but uh exaggerate oh no it it exaggerate talent so you know i love larkin i love raymond i love cider you throw those guys out for overtime barkov huberdo and whoever they have for their top defense i don't know if ekblad is is i don't know if he played or not but uh barkov should be a top five center in this league and Huberto is should be a top five forward probably or at least a top 10 forward in this league those guys are more talented and if they get control of the puck in that sense they're they're gonna they're gonna control the pace of pain over time but mm-hmm. you have five on five you're nasty you're gritty you're tough to get you know you're you're sticking to guys like glue that's gonna that's gonna bring that talent gap a little bit like a little bit closer. Little it's closer. not so when you take that when you take away like sheer manpower in the three on three overtime, that talent gap is going to be noticeable. That's why a team like the Islanders, okay, who don't have who their closest superstar is Matt Barzell, who would probably be the third line center on a team like that Tampa Bay Lightning team last year, mm-hmm. um, could take them to seven games. <laughs> it's because yep. they had grit. It's because they yep. had all all of these things. So that's why hockey is beautiful right that's why an eight seed can go all the way and win the cup because if you get in and you have that winning mentality and you have that grittiness you can compete with anybody Mm -hmm. you can shut down talent and you just (laughs) greasy goals seem to happen a lot more (laughs) in the playoffs for the nhl than they do in the regular season yeah and it's and some and sometimes it's you know who wants it more Sometimes it is. Is it's that sometimes. way? Sometimes I would agree. So, sometimes it's that way. So I'm not saying the Wings are going to win the Cup. I've said that they're going to make the playoffs. I stand by that. Um, but if you have a talent gap, that's how you beat more talented teams. Mm-hmm. You have sequences like that. You yeah. have this grittiness towards your game. And I think some of the guys, Larkin notices that. I mean, he's been more physical. I feel like he's been more physical the past two years than he's been in his whole career. And Larkin's not, I mean, he's a great player. He's 
he's not the most intimidating guy. Like if I had I think to choose, he's had to be physical. I think he's been physical because he's had to be physical because he gets beaten up on a lot. Sure, his sure. injuries speak to that. Sure, but I think that's going to help him. Yeah, I think that oh, helps yeah. him. I think that helps him a lot. And that's another thing too. Uh, we we said last year with all this pressure that was on Larkin because he's the captain, he's COVID year. This man is playing pressure free right now. And especially with some help on that wing, like we talked about last week, man, watch out. Yeah. Watch. It's gonna be good. Out. Guy's only twenty four years old still. Maybe twenty five. He's twenty five. Okay. He's a couple months older than me. I feel like McKinnon didn't become McKinnon until he was in his mid twenties. I mean, he was still a freak. Don't get me wrong. Please do not get me wrong. And I'm not comparing Dylan Larkin to Nathan McKinnon, but we can compare developments, right? You know. We can, okay, this guy had his peak here, then maybe this other guy will have his peak at the same time. You know, again, talent gap, but still. Um, so I still think Larkin's best days of hockey are ahead of him. I don't think he's, I don't think he's flatlined. I think he's, especially with developing this part of his game in the grittiness, watch out. I would agree. Um, some other highlights of the past week. Um, Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider. Uh, rookies most... of the year, rookie... or not rookies of the year? Sorry, rookies <laughs> nope. of the month. Ru- uh, Mo Sider got rookie of the month for mm-hmm. the NHL this se- this month, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, won't be his last. Won't be his last. Uh, I have seen some stuff floating around of uh, will he also get Norris votes as well as as well as Calder votes? Because um, he and Raymond are currently. Um, Mo is two and Raymond is one in terms of yeah. points in the rookie race. Um, side note, Cole, Cole Caulfield got sent down by Montreal. So mm, there's tough. one contender out for that race. Um, but yeah, it's it's really exciting to to see two young guys do really well. They're roommates. They get along. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I read somewhere too that the speculation on Norris folks, I think... Cider, as of now, is top five in defenseman war. I think he's number five. I don't know. I because I did. I think I saw that. Was it was it five or was he like seven? I I saw top five. Okay. Because I could I think, be wrong. I, I could be wrong. But he was definitely like top ten. Top, top ten. He was for sure top ten. Um. Watch out. So honestly, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. This this is a this is an interesting question. I won't stay in it too long. So we obviously we have two very talented rookies, and a lot of people are expecting or thinking that Detroit could have one one and two in the Calder voting. So, um, and you just mentioned Norris votes. What if Raymond wins the Calder, but Cider wins the Norris? I don't know how that makes any sense. I don't as much as I love and as much as I love. Mo, and as much as I think he's going to do exceptionally well this season, I don't know that he's going to win Norris. No, I don't think so either. No. Just based on a who's who's doing the voting, um, and b the defensemen that are out there. Yeah. Um, but it is an interesting thought experiment of what is what does that mean for. I don't know, like, which one is better, almost, is kind of where mine's going. my mind's going to. Like, does that... I think... It's hard to compare them, because it's a forward and a defenseman, and also their games are hysterically different. Cider plays a premium position, but I think Raymond's more talented. Yes. 
I would back that. I think I think fundamentally Cider is very very good, but Raymond out of sheer talent wise. I think he has more raw tools. I think yeah. Cider is definitely more refined and more air quotes grown up in in his position. That's a good does word. that, does That's that good make word. sense? Yeah. No, I I agree 100%. Um whereas Raymond is very much ra- just raw talent, well-rounded in all of his areas. Like he's good at everything on the ice. He's great yeah. at some things, but he is good at everything. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, I it's very it's I don't know why I keep saying it's weird, but it's weird to see uh, Red Wings in those runnings. <laughs> something good is happening <laughs> to our teams. Something good is happening. Um, but yeah, that's just, it's a very exciting, it's a very exciting time to be a Red Wings fan, which is funny compared to where we were even two years ago and just like sitting in despair Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, watching things happen and, and, mm-hmm watch Abdulkader turn it over for the 97th time that game and the bad man can't hurt us anymore <laughs> and Erickson, you know the bad man lose a foot race like just all of those things yeah i think those we're t- in a good spot i think it's going to be i think it's going to be really exciting rest of the season do i at this point have any idea how what our record's going to be not for sure do i think we're going to be in the playoffs no playoffs <laughs> Corey's currently fist pumping um but i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a good one overall yeah. like i think this is gonna be the season that everybody points back to and be like that that was the, the starting line yeah like everything else up to this point in the rebuild i think has been prep mm-hmm. <laughs> like if we're comparing it to a race i think everything else has been training and this season is gonna be at that starting line yeah well said i think that's a good way i think that's a good spot to end okay i think i think that's a great spot to end <laughs> perfect all right folks um we thank you so much for listening we are done for today if you want to give us a follow on all of our social social medias we are cnc at cnc sports pod on both instagram and twitter we also have an email, uh, cncsportspod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe. Um, and don't forget to download episodes, rate us five stars, all those good things. We appreciate maybe you share. listening. Maybe share, too. This was, I feel like this was yeah. a nice, this was a good. This was a like, good episode. This was a good, structured, well thought out episode. <laughs> we, were, we were so like prepared, which, you know, we try to be every week. Can't promise it. Sometimes it doesn't always happen. But this was a good episode. This was well-structured and well-thought-out. Ben, I don't think you're going to have to edit out too many ums, which I think you're going to be excited about. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Share it. Share it, episode. Tell people to listen. Love All it. right. We'll see Deuces. you guys next week. Woohoo! Hey, everybody. This is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.